And welcome back to Fully Equipped. I am not Jonathan Wall, who is on a much-deserved vacation in Hawaii this week, but I am still joined by Truspec Golf's VP of Tour and Education, Chris McCormick, and golf Senior Editor for Equipment, Andrew Tursky. Tursky, why don't you tell everyone what exactly I'm doing on here and what we got going on this week? <laughs> Mark, not Jay Wall. That was a great intro. Very well done. Um, that is our producer, Mark, senior producer for 8am Golf. He's he's the guy that um, he keeps us on the rails, really. And we couldn't we couldn't have the show without you, Mark. Um, I, I know our listeners haven't really heard from you too much yet. They can hear from you over on the Subpar podcast, though. Um, you also produce true. the Subpar podcast, which is going quite well over it, there. It is. It is. Um, and I have been the only person to be part of all 88 episodes of this show. So, you know, finally getting a little intro taste there for Wall that only Wall and Timmy B have done. A well-deserved intro. Right <laughs> well-deserved. And he's got a face for radio, so it's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep me on this side of the glass. <laughs> hey, he's a Mets fan. You know, us, us uh, Mets fans, we got to stick together. Us East Coasters. East Coasters. Although the Mets are in a little bit of a... A little bit of a slide coming back to earth. We can't yeah. score any runs. Yeah, they'll be fine, though. Um, they'll but, be fine. You know, uh, I think we do have something uh, pretty awesome to talk about, and the reason I'm really on here is uh, we all went to a little event last week, thanks to Chris, called Coopstock, and we're going to get into talking about that. But before we get into talking with Chris about Coopstock, we wanted to share a message from our official sponsor, Fairway Jockey. From stock to custom shafts, club grips, and more, Fairway Jockey is a destination for the golfer that wants an advantage. Visit fairwayjockey.com for all that and more. And Chris, why don't you tell us what Coopstock is and sort of who it benefits and what we were doing out there. And how you know Alice Cooper to begin with. <laughs> the Alice so, Cooper. The, the Alice Cooper. Cooper. So Coop, uh, just, to, just to tease it, he is going to be joining us on the pod here at some point. He has some uh, some obligations that he's taking care of, but we will... We'll get him in here kind of talking about his, his journey with golf, and I think we've touched on it briefly in the past, but he is the longest tenured staff member for Callaway Golf. He has been on staff with Callaway longer than anybody else since the basically the beginning of the company. Incredible. Oh, pretty cool. No one so, knows that. It's, I didn't know that. Now they do. Yeah, now they know. Now now everybody knows. There's a little little tidbit for you about, about Mr. Cooper. Uh, Alice and I actually, we got connected several years ago uh, here in Phoenix. I ended up working with a, uh, a mutual friend that we share <clears throat> named Dave Stern, who uh, was very involved with his charitable organization, also helped with uh, a lot of stage and lighting and uh, uh, basically stage production. So Dave would uh, would help to set up all of the uh, the lighting and the sound and all of this for several events around the valley and also several events that uh, that Coop was involved in. So after Dave and I had an opportunity to work together, I uh, got an invitation to go and play around a golf with Alice Cooper. So you know, here I am, having never meet met you know Alice before. I uh, it, I'm going. I have absolutely no idea what I am in store for yeah so i'm i'm looking at alice cooper the the stage presence and i'm going you know here's alice cooper the uh, the godfather of shock rock and i'm go i have no idea what i'm walking into and long story short turned out to be one of the most enjoyable rounds of golf i've ever played in my life mm. and he is uh hands down one of the nicest and most genuine people and absolutely loves golf he is an absolute golf fanatic and coincidentally, uh, I ended up having a, a hole in one on uh, on a par three when we were out playing, and I in your I, first round with Alice Cooper, hole in one. Uh, yeah, hole in one. And it was kind of funny. I I was telling the story while we were on the tee box of this is the uh, the hole that I have my only hole in one on, and it's a you know two hundred and three two hundred and five yard par three, and and he goes, well, let's see another one, and we all had a you know chuckle about it, and I was like, oh hi yeah yeah sure and step up and I hit the shot and it was right on the flagstick. Coop goes, that's going in, it's in the jar and turns around and starts walking off the tee box before the ball has even landed <laughs> and hits the green, one hops right in the cup and he just throws his hands up and he goes, told you. And I'm going, well, all right then. <laughs> so uh, we took a picture together and uh, 
ended up getting the, uh, the, the picture printed out and he signed it for me, the, the ace with Alice. And I ended up having to buy him a diet Coke, <laughs> but it was not too uh, hefty of a bar at that. Uh, no. Yeah. You know, I would, I will take that, uh, all day, every day, but he invited me to, to play again and he's like, yeah, we'll be in touch. I'll call you. That was great. Let's play again. And that's been years ago. And when he's in town now, we, we play pretty regularly. And that, uh, that, friendship has uh, has definitely developed over the years and introduced me to a lot of people that I never thought I'd have an opportunity to meet mm-hmm. and got me involved with uh, Solid Rock, his, his charity organization, and it was a pretty fun event. Uh, Coopstock, the latest one, they do this every year out at Lacindas to, to help benefit the teen center and having an opportunity to bring you guys out and kind of show you what it was all about. What what'd you guys think before we kind of dive into what Solid Rock is? What'd you, what'd you I, think? I mean, the look on Tursky's face when we pulled up in the Uber, and you're, there's just <laughs> a stage in the middle of a driving range, and we're like, yep. what the hell are we doing right now? And it was just <laughs> awesome from, from the jump after that. Such a fun event. Um, you know, in these times to be able to bring the community together, you know, with with COVID, we didn't we didn't know when we could do things like that again, and um, just bringing joy to the community for a great cause was was great, and I had an absolute blast. It was such a fun event. I had no idea really what to expect um, going in, and we we pull up, and and Jay Peterman from from Seinfeld, oh my God. is up on, <laughs> is up on the stage uh, hosting John O'Hurley. Um, that, that was so much fun, man. I wanted to bring that up, but. I didn't know his actual name, so I didn't want to be, you know, an idiot. So thank you for thank you for doing that. But if you know Al Borland's real name too, I, I had some serious '90s uh, TV nostalgia. You know, um, Al from Home Improvements up there with Mr. Peterman from Seinfeld. They're just like, well, okay, on a golf course on a stage, cool. <laughs> and he rode out a custom Alice Cooper painted Snap-on tool chest. Al is riding the tool chest out on stage. It was fantastic. And uh, they had some silent auctions going, which uh, me and me and Chris we got involved in a little bit. Um, like the first, the first product on the silent auction is we're walking up the cart path. It's a it's a signed Freddie Couples photo, and you know Freddie's <laughs> Freddie's one of my idols, so I had to have it. I knew I, I knew as soon as I saw it, it was mine and it was coming home. I think the, you uh, technically the- cheated though, because you waited till they were picking up the forms that you had to fill out for the silent auction pretty much grabbed it out of the lady's hand and then made the no, the last and no, best don't offer do that there. don't do that that's it, not it's what for happened. the kids it's for the kids that's, it's fine that's not what happened it was the next it's for the kids, for the kids. It's, it's not bad I, I signed the auction i go away for you know a couple hours um open bar so we had to get some some sodas and <laughs> and chris lets me know he texts me um you know you've been outbid and my heart just dropped and i was like i have to do whatever I can to, to go get it. So I went back over. The lady's taking the sheet. Um, she's taking the sheet away. I said, can I, can I make another bid, please? I, I need the Freddy. The Freddy has I, to I be need mine. the Freddy. <laughs> so I made, made the bid, and uh, we got the Freddy. I know you got a little something from the auction as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I try, and make a, uh, try and make a donation of some sort every year and help the, uh, help the teen center out and get a little rock and roll memorabilia for, for the home collection. So it's a, it's a win-win. Yeah, Chris, before we uh, move over to the tour topics, why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of what Coop Fest benefits and um, if people want to get involved and, and help out. Absolutely. It was Coopstock. It was the... Uh, Coopstock. I keep the, saying Coop Fest. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's, that's all right. It's all right. It's a rookie move. I, we understand. No, rookie mistake. No, no the uh, Coopstock was uh, was just the, the theme of this year. Oh, they, they do a different theme every year. But the, the whole purpose of it is to support Alice Cooper Solid Rock. So Alice and Cheryl Cooper have the Solid Rock Teen Centers uh, here in Arizona, uh, in Phoenix, and then also a, a brand new facility that they're in the process of opening down in Mesa. And Jeff Moore, who's the executive director, does a, a great job of running these facilities and actually giving purpose to a lot of the the teens in the in the area so it's it's basically a a place that teens have an opportunity to go develop friendships learn skills and it's it's kind of a a sanctuary for lack of a better description mm-hmm. uh, for these youths to 
to go and kind of mingle and talk about what's going on in their lives and it's mostly a like music art kind of creative driven right yeah exactly doing alice cooper solid rock.com the the official website uh they can go and get as much information as they they want to about the uh about the foundation but it is a it's a great group of people and it's really a family i mean it uh, you go over to the facilities and they just make you feel welcome. Everybody's happy to be there. Everybody is is there to be supportive and and do whatever it is that they can to help the uh, to help the kids that are there. And you see you see people once they get involved, they're there. I mean, for years, and it's uh, it's fun to watch the the same faces come back every year, year after year after year, and just how they grow and the bands that they make and the friendships and the bonds and it's just a uh, just a special group, special organization. So great to hear, you know, uh, growing up, kids can be a little bit cruel, you know, and kind of letting that creative energy be able to breathe and foster and, and have a place where you can actually go and be yourself is so important. Um, and like you said, getting parents and, and families involved and getting that support, um, you know, kids can blossom. And I, I think it's great that they have a, a place they can go. I know me and Mark are planning on getting over to the teen center. Absolutely. Um, taking a taking a tour. Yeah. Getting a little bit more involved um, in what they got going on, and uh, Solid Rock has has my full support. Yeah, we will. We'll absolutely uh, be talking about these guys in in future episodes and getting some content up on the uh, up on the website for people to take a look at and check out. Awesome, and uh, again, like you mentioned. When the time allows, Alice will be joining us on the show, and I know he's got a lot of golf stories. A few you shared with us, including his uh, insane club collection, so I'm looking forward (laughs) to that. Um, One place I can't help you guys out this week that J-Wall normally does is the tour topics. Tursky, what's going on out there? I I can't contribute much on this end. (laughs) Come on, Mark. Lead the tour topics. Fine. Victor Hovland's got some I-59 prototype irons right let's start there let's, let's start let's there. start with the i-59s let's, let's yes jump in that i-59 <laughs> topic so the young victor hovland um he likes going with mixed sets of irons so he did put the i-59s in not the whole bag interestingly he put them in pitching wedge through seven i-59s and then he went four through six with the eye blades i know you saw the photos of the i-59s um ping is not talking about them yet at all but they're kind of branded. They have I-59. It looks like they got logos on there. So my guess would be they're not complete prototypes. Um, what, are, what are some of your thoughts about the, the I-59s and Victor Hovland making the switch already at the Zerk? It's, I, I tried to do a little bit of digging. I reached out to a couple people at Ping, and like you said, very, very tight-lipped about it. Like nobody wanted to talk mm-hmm. about it. I didn't even get replies from some of my, uh, some of my buddies over there, so they're going to they're gonna hear about that later. But... And looking at uh, some of the leaked pictures, I mean, it looks almost like a a melded or molded form of I-500, I-Blade, and Blueprint. And Blueprint, yeah. I mean, if if they were to have a love child, the I-59 is what I would expect to see out of it. Yep. No, don't know if it's any of the hollow cavity technology that they used in I-500, uh can't tell if it's a true forging i i don't have a lot of information about it no all we have is the photo we have we have no information it looks like the muscle pad on the back is a little bit thicker than maybe you would expect for something like a blueprint uh, a player's club but victor hovland has in the bag in the short irons i think that should be noted because you know, if they were more of a game improvement model, you would think he would play them in the long irons. But we've seen him kind of go backwards um, before, you know, kind of playing uh, the game improvement irons in, in the low irons and then uh, player irons at the top of the set. So with Hovland, it's, you know, it's kind of a wild card, but they do look a little bit thicker and they have that, that screw in the toe, which makes, uh, I know, us maybe think they could be hollow bodied. That's yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. Well, I was reading a uh, wall-to-wall equipment on golf.com this week, and I did see that it's more likely solid construction like the blueprint uh, line than the hollow cavity of the I-500. J-Wall, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, if if J-Wall's listening in Hawaii, aloha. Mark is absolutely holding it down for us. Um, now, this would be... 
we don't we obviously don't know um, if they're going to actually be released, but um, it would be the first release since the Blueprint 2019. iBlade came out in 2016. So for Ping fans, it's like maybe this is about time. It's it's overdue. It is overdue. How do you think they look? I think they look pretty clean. I think they look great. I am I'm excited to get my hands on some and actually hit them and kind of dive into them and see what they're all about. I mean it I'm really curious if they have that hollow cavity at least in the long irons. So am I. As it it looks like it could, but who knows? Could be like an I210, could be like the old S59, but I'm, I can't wait to hear. Yeah, I, I cannot wait for some more information for uh, for Ping to talk. If you're listening, we're all we're all waiting. <laughs> yeah, everybody's anxiously awaiting this release. That's for sure. Um, so, just a quick question from a fitting perspective. Um, now, Hovland's a big mixed set guy. For for guys who want to go to a mixed iron set and kind of get the best of both worlds, how do you figure out where to cut off? Like, what goes into that testing process to even figure it out? So, I mean, making a combo set, it, it really comes down to objectively what the player is looking for. So typically speaking, more often than not, we're going to benefit from having a little bit more forgiveness and a little bit more tech-oriented iron in those longer irons. So looking for something that is higher MOI, more forgiving on the miss hit, where we tend to miss, is going to be in those longer irons. So taking advantage of something that has a little deeper CG, maybe some more perimeter weighting, help with a little higher launch, maybe some more spin, just to get those longer irons actually in the air and then spinning enough to stop on the greens. But where you make the break in the set really kind of depends on where that player starts to get into, okay, I want to start attacking pins, and I also want to have that shot-shaping ability and have the the option to manipulate the ball flight and work the ball a little bit more. So when you're working with those higher skill level players, that break usually happens higher in the set. So they might have a, a three iron, four iron, that's gonna be more on that line of game improvement. Uh, then you get into some of the amateur players, you might break that set up at the seven or the eight. So it just kind of depends on what the goal of the player is, speed, ball striking ability, and objectively what they're looking for. That was very helpful information. Thank you. Thank you on that one, seriously. Um, another note from the, the Zurich here, Patrick Cantlay. He's been a little little lost with the putter of late. Um, he's changing things all the way up from you know, what he used to play. He used to always play a, a Newport 2 blade model. He went to an Odyssey White Hot OG 2 ball at the RBC Heritage. That didn't last long. At the Zurich, he went to a Phantom X5 mallet. Phantom X is back again. We, we see this it thing. everywhere. It's popping up everywhere. Guess who's back? Back again. Phantom <laughs> X is here. <laughs> that was bad. Bad joke. Uh, let's move along uh, to Moving our on. last note from the Zurich before we tee up our, our interview. Um, Mark Leishman and Cam Smith. Team Mullet. Team Mullet took down the, uh, the Zurich Classic, the, the team event in a playoff. Um, interesting uh, points of note in each of their bags. Cam Smith has a seven wood. We've been talking a lot about high lofted fairway woods a lot the last about couple those weeks. High lofted we, fairway we won't woods. drill into it again uh, this week, but it's good to see seven woods uh, getting a win. And Mark Leishman, his driver, he's got an epic speed triple diamond DS prototype in the bag, which does stand for draw spin. Now that's pretty interesting. You know, with tour players, you don't often see. Um, them go right to a drawspin driver. But what are some actual benefits, some real-life benefits that um, you've seen working with amateurs? Um, we're not going to try to speculate on why he has that particular model in the bag, but maybe for, for someone looking to get their right driver. Um, drawspin? For who? So the, I mean, the triple diamond line is, I mean, it is designed for that top-level amateur, better player, tour player. But, I mean... The internal weighting component when they have the OEM has the ability to build the head with multi-material construction using carbon, using steel, using titanium, using different alloys and different materials gives them an opportunity to redistribute that weight internally. 
to where you now can create a fade bias or a draw bias just dependent upon where you actually put that weight. Mm -hmm. So we know that the majority of the golfing population, the right-handed players, struggle with that that push to the right, that fade, hanging the face open. So giving them an opportunity to make the same swing that their body naturally produces, but creating a product that will help them to release that toe a little bit faster, having a, a draw bias setup, Mm-hmm. can eliminate some of that right miss for them and doesn't necessarily require them to reinvent the wheel with their swing, but they're able to see a different ball flight, a more controlled ball flight. And then for somebody that hits it relatively straight, now it brings into uh, play a little bit more of a draw. So just allowing to move some internal weight in the head, getting that toe to release a little faster, generating some of that the spin characteristics that produce a draw. Mm-hmm. So a lot of players, it, it's kind of funny, the, the players that hit a fade want to be able to hit a draw. The players that miss left and hook it, it want to try and get back to a fade. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it never ceases to amaze <laughs> me. It's uh, The grass is always greener. I, I can confirm. I would love to be able to hit a nice controlled fade. Uh, anyone who already hits that shot, it's like, why why are you trying to switch that up? But yeah, that's that, I'm always I'm always jealous of the people that hit this nice little controlled cut off the tee, and I'm going, man... I wish I could hit that shot. I'll and give up 15 yards to hit I, that shot. All yeah, day. instead of my toe hook that uh, yeah, gets me in trouble a lot. We're on the same page right there. <laughs> um, so with that, let's get into the interview uh, we did this morning with young budding superstar Garrick Higo. Um, for those who don't know, he is from South Africa, only 21 years old. Um, he went to UNLV, turned pro sophomore year. He's already won twice on the Sunshine Tour. Out in South Africa, he won the Portugal Open on the European Tour, and he won the Grand Canaria Open on the on the European Tour. Two wins already on the European Tour. Twenty one years old, so He's, cool. Sixty five in the world rankings. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to him. Really cool kid. And sixty three, sixty three, mm, on the weekend. On the it. weekend, I, that is impressive and uh, very level headed. Very easy to talk to. Very composed. This is going to be a player to watch. Absolutely, and. Uh, Let's get to know Garrick right now. Here's the interview. Enjoy it. Well, actually, Andrew, uh, normally before we get to the interview, I'd plug in an ad read from you we would do after the show. But since I'm on this week and I have it right in front of me, before we get to the interview this week, we wanted to share another message from our official sponsor, Fairway Jockey. From stock to custom shafts, club grips, and more, Fairway Jockey is the destination for the golfer that wants an advantage. Visit fairwayjockey.com forward slash fully equipped for 10% off our spotlight components. That's fairwayjockey.com forward slash fully equipped for 10% off our spotlight components. This week, we will be adding the Fujikura Ventus Blue Shaft to our collection, which we will hear more about in Garrick's interview. Fairway Jockey, custom equipment, premium build. Now let's get to Garrick. And Garrick Higo, welcome to the Fully Equipped Podcast. Congrats on the big win last weekend at the uh, Grand Canaria Open. Your head must be spinning right now with the win. 21 years old, already two wins on the European Tour. Very, very impressive. Very. Well played. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 63-63 on the weekend to close it out, right? Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's it was not good, easy. It was a good weekend. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. It's not easy to back up like a low round like that, 63, and come back and shoot 63 again, especially when you're contending for the lead. What were some of the emotions you were going into uh, with on Sunday? Yeah, um, it was a it was a steady Thursday and Friday, um, and then I had it going early on in on Saturday. Um, I was I think I was five under through four. I think that's kind of when I when I knew okay I've got a good chance now. Um, and then I don't know I just kind of uh, put my head down and just kept going, you know, because a lot of the guys were going nine under, you know, every day. So going into the final round, I knew, um, you know, even guys at 14 under had a good chance, you know, if they shot Mm -hmm. nine under on the final round. So a good thing that the wind came up, you know, uh, I think the lowest round was only eight under. um, So no one shot nine under the last day, like I predicted. (laughs) Only eight under. You guys are going low out there. Even when the wind's up. (laughs) You consider yourself a yeah, pretty good I mean, uh, wind player? I think so. I like the wind. I grew up in the wind. Um, so I, I I don't know. I think maybe it's just a mental thing, you know, if you if you um, if you like it or not. 
Would you say it's easier to capture that second win after already getting the first, or how would you kind of compare the emotions playing um, the first time getting that win at the Portugal Open and then again this weekend? Yeah, so it's interesting. They were both so different in, um, you know, what was at stake for me at the time. Uh, the first one was I was I just had status on the challenge tour. Um, and then I think, well, due to COVID, I was lucky that they, the European tour were kind of forced to have co-sanctioned events just to kind of get the number of events, um, you know, so for Sky Sports. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously the winner of that, you know, wins a European tour event and gets the exemption. So if I, if I didn't win in Portugal last year, I wouldn't have been on the European tour until next year. So it was a lot of, a lot of pressure and I knew I had to win. Obviously, uh, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it the whole way, but um, second wasn't going to do anything. So it was, it was very different. And this time around, um, I don't know, my game has been trending and I just kind of, I had a lot of confidence going in and, you know, I think when I get a sniff, um, I think I'm good at finishing. It would appear so. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> Proof's in the pudding there. Two wins and 24 starts already. Um, I believe that puts you ahead of South African legend Tim Clark for quickest to two wins. I don't know how wow. how aware That's you are cool. of uh, different records and, and things like that. No, but, I'm not not very aware. <laughs> um, what are kind of your goals to do in the golf world? Um, obviously, you've already kind of got that that monkey off your back already getting wins already stacking them up um what do you want to do now what's the goal going forward she's i'm not i'm not a big goal setter obviously um there's the obvious ones you know top 50 in the world and you know all that stuff um but i just try and play as as good as i can every week um but obviously i want to get to top 50 in the world um at some point hope, hopefully soon um but I don't know. I mean, obviously, my focus is still in Europe. So race to Dubai, and that's a big one. See how I can finish in that. Um, but I think, you know, at the moment, I think I need to get into the top 50 to kind of open doors, you know, in the States. Um, but I mean, I'm obviously going to play my first major in a couple of weeks. So that's amazing. Um, that was definitely a goal. Um, so, yeah, I'll just take it, take it week by week. I mean, golf such a nice game in that way that you know every week could be life-changing already that's... 65 in the world already already <laughs> 65 that's amazing really incredible you Thank know you. i mean guys guys work their whole life to to crack the top 100 you're already there 21 years old got <laughs> got to be on top of the world have you have you found time to celebrate i know you're already um oh, he's on you're the in grind the, yeah you're in the field playing the next week just right back after yeah, it. starting tomorrow yeah have you given um, it any yeah, time to yourself just, uh, we just i just went uh, we had a, <sighs> a curry my caddy and i we had a curry on sunday night um and yeah we just had dinner i mean i was so tired i, I was i was finished <laughs> monday tuesday i mean today's kind of i felt i felt better today um and i'm sure i'll be fine the rest of the week but it was very draining but nice i mean i'll celebrate when i see my family again there you go so curry curry's the go-to dish if if you win the masters is that is that going to be your meal of choice curry it's on the dinner no my meal of choice my meal of choice is a is a barbecue back home but a curry is not is not bad i'd take that any day (laughs) so for people who might not know you maybe you're just hitting the radar um you are from south africa tearing up the european tour recently um but you actually played for unlv over in the states Mm. for for a couple years um, before turning yeah. pro what what kind of went into the decision to come over here to america and then to uh to turn pro and actually go back over to the sunshine tour in south africa yeah um geez coming to college in the states was uh was a dream you know i i always wanted to do that um i think i committed to unlv when i was 16 um oh. and i don't know i just liked uh I like Vegas. I like the courses. Um, I really like the coaches. Um, I think, unfortunately, I just kind of didn't really, it wasn't, in a way, the the culture wasn't for me. Um, and my support structure was back home. Um, my game kind of went a little bit backwards. 
you know, it, it felt like every time I, I went back to the States, I would start off well, but because I wouldn't see my coach, you know, it would kind of get worse as the season progressed, you know, and I didn't, I hated that. So, and then I'd go back home and practice and see my coach go back and then start off well and then kind of fade a little bit. So I knew my game was good enough. Um, obviously, I didn't have that good of a career at UNLV. I didn't play very well. Um, so I kind of just believed in myself. And I just knew if I wanted to, you know, make it as a pro, I needed my support structure back home. Um, and the route for a lot of South Africans is via the European Tour and then top 50 in the world. So That's huge. I love hearing that. Yeah. that's. I mean, you knew what you wanted. You went after it. You knew that the environment you were in wasn't right for you. You changed it. That's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, that's I, a mature a mature decision to make uh, while you're still in college. You know, most people are college idiots. Yeah. <laughs> it was very risky. They don't have a good head on their shoulders to think risky. about things like that. It was risky, and I knew what I was giving up. But um, I would have regretted. I would have regretted not going to college in the first place, and I would have regretted not giving golf a full go as well. So, um, yeah. It's a strange one, but I, I mean, I am now where I am, and I'm just enjoying playing golf. So, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm not trying to say college isn't good or anything at all. I learned so much, and it was really good for my game, you know. Mm-hmm. But obviously, yeah. didn't necessarily need college as that stepping stone because you're you're grinding up the ranks by yourself. You figured yourself out. Um, are you still working with the same swing coach? Who are you working with? Yeah. Yeah, I'm working with Cliff Barnard. Um, he's just a, a normal swing coach back home. I've he's been my coach uh, since since I was nine. So I think the thing that kind of you know works for me is we know exactly what what my swing is about. You know what what shot shapes. Um, you know I can hit under pressure. Um, you know it's all it's all natural. You know my swings hasn't really changed <clears throat> since I was little. You know. So just maintaining that, I think. That's that's an interesting... So same coach since you were nine. So is there any particular thing when the swing starts going a little sideways that the coach can just reel you back in? You said when you would come to the States, the game would start to kind of go backwards. And then when you got back yeah. together with the coach, is there is there one particular thing that's just like, yeah, this is getting a little off or out of sequence or any particular thing that he would kind of bring to your attention to reel you back in yeah a lot of you know a lot of it's got to do with setup um i think you know i don't if i'm set up well i think it's with any golfer you know if you set up well um, you can kind of just swing it everything falls into place um and every time i went back and we were you know i'd go back and we would go play nine holes um i'd get onto the first tee and i'd step you know set set into the ball and he'd be like no no let's we first have to go to the range this is not you know before <laughs> i even hit one ball um and that was very frustrating and the other day um because he lives about five hours from where i am where i live um i drove down there um and we played and i teed off and, and i just had a laugh and i just said to him you know it's, it's one of the few times you've ever let me hit the first shot before <laughs> you know saying no this this doesn't look right <laughs> That's great. It it never ceases to amaze me that it, the better the players are. I mean, having it, I've spent a lot of time with various tour players, and when they do start getting it going a little sideways, it's just the simplest little things that we mm-hmm. you know, never really think about. And you talk to these, yeah, it's very small. Yeah, it's it, and it's, it's always the same thing. You know, everyone's got everyone's got that same thing that's always been not an issue, but it's always like a the the bad habit that kind of creeps in you know so which makes it easier i think if you know what what you know if you hit one right you know okay it's this or you know it's that instead of if you if you don't know what your swing is about you you get lost you know and i think i just got lost a lot of times when i was over it and i didn't see him enough yeah what's the plan for you know as you continue your career play more in america uh what's kind of your plan to learn from those past mistakes, are you going to have them travel with you or um, put together a little entourage for yourself or, you know, how do you see that going, going forward? So what's helped me, um, so last year I came over during COVID um, 
to the UK. My uncle lives in the UK. Um, and a good way that we've been, we've kind of figured out to train is I would use uh, TrackMan, the TPS, um, and kind of, you know, when you hit balls and video and it kind of takes the video with the swing, mm-hmm. um, I would do that and then send that through him and, um, you know, we'd kind of go through it. But, I mean, I, I take videos of my swing every day, about 10 videos, and we've got a shared album on iPhone that I just put them on and we just keep looking at the same things to make sure I'm, you know, you know, in in the right frame, you know, so I don't mm-hmm. go too far out, out of that. It's good. Constant work in progress. Just like any other golfer, just yeah. setting the phone up, taking taking videos of the swing, yeah. making sure That's the it. the planes is set exactly. up. Uh, the the digital out. age is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I under I uh, <laughs> I understand you also work with um, tour rep Leon McDougal on on your equipment. Is uh, say is say that, that again. I understand you also work with Liam McDougal on on your equipment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, what Liam, have you guys been? So uh, much. Yeah. Go ahead. So I, I, um, just with everything really, you know, with the, the, ball, the irons driver, um, I used to play the, obviously the TS three, the older, the previous Titus driver. And I hit that extremely straight. Um, so changing to the new one was a bit of a, not a struggle, but it's quite a different driver to that one. It's a lot faster, different face. Um, and I also went to a 48 inch driver um played with that in abu dhabi um hit it amazing i hit it really straight um but i had issues with spin um on the ball um and then i heard that the 48 inch was going to get banned so we went back down to 46 inch because i said that was going to be the limit so I'm, i'm currently using the 46 not the 48 um so he's helped me a lot with that with my irons the ball i used to play the um normal pro v1 um but i was my kind of that weakness was around the greens um i wasn't bad but i wasn't you know up there in terms of on tour you know around show scanned around the greens um and i i tried the the x and it's amazing how much better my confidence around the green is because i know the the x is going to stop you know where i did a lot of testing back home and the x constantly um stopped about three foot shorter than the v the v had like about three feet of extra roll every single time and that's exactly what i felt i was getting on the course as well i'd hit a i'd hit a chip that was good but not you know great and it would release to seven feet Whereas now I'd hit that same chip and it would be four foot, you know, hmm. which obviously makes a big difference. Definitely. Um, and I was worried about the spin in my long game, but it was a little bit more in the irons, but it wasn't bad. So like the V would be with a six iron, it would be around five, um, five, seven, and the, um, which is low. Um, and the, the X was around six, one, six, two. Um, which is not bad. So I kind of said, all right, I'll take the extra little spin because um, I like the the low spin. Obviously, it's way easier in the wind. We play in the wind a lot. But, you know, I'll, I'll take the better feel around the greens for a little bit more spin. You know, I'll just kind of figure it out. And then driver spin was exactly the same. It didn't change at all. Wow. You're very in tune with uh, with your numbers, spin numbers, all that. How long have you been working with TrackMan? Um, I know it's kind of a, a new age system, yeah. but um, you're quite young. I mean, did you have that um, growing up like in junior golf? Were you always kind of a TrackMan guy and into the gear portion? No, not or? at all. I, didn't, I never had access to TrackMan. Um, after having a decent year on the Sunshine Tour, I used my winnings to buy a TrackMan. Um, and that's also changed my game dramatically. You know, I've been working, there's a studio kind of, we use a room at our golf club back home that we kind of turned into a studio. And I use that at night. So at night I go there and spend two or three hours hitting balls in the studio. Um, yeah, with TrackMan, and it's helped me enormously. 
that's maybe the best use of uh, a winner's paycheck ever, just reinvesting right back into yourself. That's very, very, very smart. Um, (laughs) I I feel like we glossed over the the 48 inch driver switch pretty quick. That's yeah. What was, uh, what was that change? Like, was it, was it a quick adaptation or did it take you a little while to lose two inches off of the driver? And I'm, I'm really happy to hear you hit a 48 inch driver straight. Yeah. That's that's normally not the feedback. How much speed were you picking up? My, I went from 176 average ball speed with the obviously the TS3 45 inch. So obviously the new driver is faster already. Mm-hmm. But I went from 176 average ball speed to 191 average. Just yes, in the driver. <laughs> oh my! God. Just in the just in the shaft and the new head. Wow! What, what shaft are you playing right now? The Ventus Blue. Six, when, six, yeah. when you went to uh, up to 48 inch and then back down to, to 46, did you keep the same model shaft or were you switching the models? Yeah, up? it was exactly the same. No, no, it was exactly the same. So I've got a 45, 46, then 48. And the I Ventus tease my blue? caddy a lot saying I want to go back to the 48. Um, but I don't know. I think I found I found a good good fit in terms of accuracy and length. Yeah, that TSI three is. You just see it everywhere. Yeah, maybe one of the fastest drivers. Yeah, it's out unreal. Right now. Um, yeah, I noticed. It's I noticed you had the TS. Yeah, you you still have the TS two um, fairway wood though, right? You haven't worked into the the new head yet. No, I have. I have worked into the new one actually. Okay. Um, I I just switched to the TSI two a couple of weeks ago, um, and in and the um, Ventus shaft as well, same blue one. And you switched into and, pretty the, good. Uh, and you switched into the Phantom X, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like I liking that, that putter. Uh, Everyone's switching into that. It's so nice. It's unreal. I mean, yeah, I used to use the spider for I used it for two years. Um and I mean I love that putter. I still do. I still like that putter. But the the Scotty I have, it's just it, it trumps it, you know. Like I would never switch I'm you know very committed in terms of if something if something's not better don't you know change it and the scotty definitely was better you know i mean my putting i used to average minus 0.6 strokes gained um putting and obviously the last four rounds where i won i was around plus three every day and in austria the week before that i didn't have one day where I lost on the greens. I think my worst day was at, at least plus 0.1, you know, on the worst which day, which is amazing. But I've, <laughs> I, I've put, I've put a lot of work in as well, but I think we've found something, um, that kind of hits the spot <laughs> on the, uh, on the European tour. I know you guys are playing all sorts of courses, all sorts of conditions. Do you make any changes to maybe say, um, your bag set up, take a hybrid out, put in a driving iron or, change the bounce yeah. of your wedge at all depending on course conditions do you make those kind of course dependent changes yeah so um actually i, I use a hybrid i use the tsi 3 the 18 degree hybrid I, I use it everywhere but this week i think i'm going to go into the three iron just because i i don't hit the hybrid off any tees and there's a couple long par threes where i need the three iron um so and then with wedges um I use the six, the Vokey, the SM8s. I've got a, in my 60, I've got the low, low K grind, the low bounce K grind. Um, that's also been a game changer. Um, it's amazing how nice that thing is in the bunkers, but it's also nice of tight lies with the low bounce in front. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, Titus has helped me a lot in the last four months in terms of getting my bag set up. Um, you know, close to perfect. What was that fitting process like getting that low bounce uh, K grind in there? It's, I played with a couple of guys that used it and I was amazed at, you know, how well they played with it everywhere. Obviously their short games were good. I mean, it's not, it's not the wedge, you know, but I, I just spoke to them about it and they just said that 
it's amazing from bunkers because it's obviously got the widest sole. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes standard with 14 degrees of balance, but then they kind of shave it. So in front it's six, if you put it down flat, but if you open it, you've still got the 14 degrees, you know? So it's amazing. And with the wider sole, it's nice out the rough. Um, it kind of just glides through, um, of tight lies. It's also amazing. I can just clip it. Um, and then, like I said, in bunkers, it's, it's unreal. I heard you, uh, you played a practice round at some point with JT, I think in, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, what, what yeah, was that, what was that round like for you? And you know, what were kind of some of your takeaways from that? <laughs> it's amazing how far he hits it and he's not that big, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's very impressive. Um, and I was using my 48 inch that week. That was the only week I used it. And I was only, only about 10 yards past him, you know, he was, and he was obviously using a 45. So it just shows you the speed he has. Um, I think that's kind of where you want to get to. You want to get to a place where you don't need the extra length in the shaft. Um, but it was, it was amazing. You can, you can see obviously his game, when you play, you know, when you play one round with someone, you can beat them and you, you mean our games are similar, but you can see when somebody's, you know, really, really sharp and, you know, he can hit so many different ball flights. Um, his pitching was unreal. Um, those 20, 30 meter, um, shots, you know, like if you kind of lay it up just short of a par fives green, um, you know, those, those shots of tight lies he was unreal with were you nervous before playing with him like is is he yeah, a, is he a yeah. guy that you look up to yeah for sure i mean he's done amazing things in the last four years um because he hasn't really been on the scene that long has he i mean it's been kind of since well he's been a pro for maybe longer but he's kind of you know when he started winning he won a lot and you know, obviously in that time I wasn't a pro. So I was, I mean, I still, now I look up to him. Um, and he was nice as well. We had a, a, a lot of laughs on the one path through, I played with his clubs and he played with mine. Um, <laughs> he duffed it in the water and I flushed it middle green and three putted, but you know, I took the win on it and yeah. <laughs> so JT doesn't have much of a lefty swing. And you were dropping bombs on him too. You were hitting a ten yards basketball <laughs> yeah. day. He was probably like, "What's going on?" Out here? I didn't. I didn't tell him I had a forty-five, about forty-eight inch driver. Maybe he kind of had a look and saw, but I was trying to keep it quiet just so he thinks, you know, this guy it's along on his own. <laughs> there you go. What was kind of some of the advice that um, he gave you? You know, he, like you said, he kind of just got on the scene, but he's he's been winning. He's been traveling around a lot. Um, did you yeah. learn anything about kind of the professional life of golf? from uh, GT? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's just a, a proper professional. Um, I think what I, what I learned most or, you know, like most about him is that he, he loves playing competitive golf, you know, um, obviously he makes a lot of money off the course as well, but I can see he really just likes playing tournaments. Um, and I think that's why he's done so well. And, I mean, that's kind of what he was saying a lot throughout the round was, you know, just being a competitor and, you know, trying to get better every week. Um, and, um, yeah, I asked him a lot of questions about the short game because my short game isn't my strength. Um, and we were talking about bunker shots, long bunker shots, and I was amazed. He was saying he uses gap wedge quite a lot um, when he's got mid-range bunker shots. Um I thought that was quite interesting. You'd think that, you know, or on TV, they say a lot, you know, the guys just use 60s in the bunkers. Um, mm-hmm. But it was nice to, to he said he uses all different clubs in the bunkers, you know, not just his 60. He kind of only uses his 60 if he's in trouble. So you are going to be playing in the PGA Championship at Kiwa Island. Um, you're playing a, a couple weeks beforehand, so you have some, some time to prepare um how how do how do you prepare for a tournament like that you've never played the course um are are you doing your homework you're watching youtube videos or yeah i I was watching yesterday (laughs) i was watching some uh videos of rory winning there obviously um but i feel like you you can kind of you can get a look um you know of how the course was but 
you don't really remember the holes because you don't you know you can't see them um they look so different when you when you they're standing on the tee box um even if you just watch tournaments that you're playing in you know sometimes they, they show a hole and i'm like geez where's that you know um but i think um it's obviously going to be very new i have no idea what it's like to play a major um i just know i've got to kind of treat it as a normal event and not you know tire myself out trying to you know learn the course um i think my game is good enough obviously i'm prepared to just learn you know it's going to be it's going to be a good experience to see where my game's at um and i i, I just love playing practice rounds with with guys that play there regularly you know you can learn so much from them who would be like top two on your list of guys you would like to play practice rounds with like who are, who are your some some of your uh, your idols in the golf world i mean i'd love to play a practice round with rory um with even with uh, louis westhausen i've never played golf with him um i'd love to play with him um obviously bryson i think i'd like to kind of pick his brain um i think he knows a lot about golf <laughs> um, i think he knows a lot about a lot even, and 48 inch yeah. drivers you guys can <laughs> yeah. talk about 48 inch drivers a little bit yeah um and dustin as well i'd like to play with dustin geez i'd like to play with all of them dustin brooks all of those guys mm -hmm. i know this is like kind of a super basic question to ask but you know being that you're on the european tour you've played a lot of courses that a lot of people have haven't even really heard of um, what are some of your favorite courses that you've played in the world and kind of what's on your bucket list of courses uh, you'd like to play? Yeah, I think my favorite one that I played on the European Tour last year was Wentworth. I'm not sure if you guys have played there, um, nope. but it's kind of like it's kind of like England's Augusta. Well, that's what it feels like to me. It was very like special, you know, they play the it's kind of the European Tour's flagship event, the BMW PGA that they have there um but yeah it was just it was in amazing condition um a lot of history there um yeah and then uh obviously one that i would like to play um i guess kiwa would be one of them you know i think um playing playing a major on you know a course with such a history is going to be awesome well you're going to knock that one off the bucket list pretty yeah, yeah, pretty quickly absolutely. In the next couple of weeks um garrick thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> congratulations on on all the success good luck at kiwa play well in the pga um thank you so much for joining fully quick <laughs> thank you yeah thank you very much play well this Perfect. week i know Thanks it's a so whirlwind a whirlwind but uh you know keep it going back to back back thank to you. back keep it going <laughs> i'll give it a go <laughs> thank you thanks, thanks so much. Garrick. see ya Cheers, bye. And that'll do it for episode 88 of the Fully Equipped Podcast. If you want to hear more from us, uh, hit us up on social media. On Twitter, we're at fully underscore equipped. On Instagram, we're at fully equipped golf. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.